0: Welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where father and son sit down and talk about some fantasy books. I'm the son of that equation, Zach.
1: And I'm the father, Jim. Again, great to have you with us here today. And hopefully this will be smoother than ever today. Why? would you we, do? Well, we've been doing various upgrades. You've moved. Oh, I'm in a completely different place. Right. So for anybody <laughs> who's watching this on our YouTube channel, they can tell, wow, that's not what we're used to. Where's the map? Bring back the map. You know, you kind know, of things.
0: it might end up there.
1: <laughs> Who knows? But for me, this is the first one we've done together since I got hardwired. So there's Ooh. no more Wi-Fi on my end. I'm plugged straight into the, the modem and
0: we should be solid. I should not have any flicker of, of well, you know, signal glitchiness. I'm very glad to hear that any signal glitchiness is entirely on my end and my fault today. Absolutely. As we're still moving into this space, still figuring out the process, haven't hardwired the whole house or anything yet. That's later on the agenda, as well as working on making it so that the room echoes less. Hopefully you don't get that on your end right now. Nah, you're sounding pretty good. But yeah, man, moving sucks. So
1: blessings to you as you
0: continue to deal with all of this. We're very happy with the place. It just looks like an absolute mess right now because it has all of our not yet unpacked things sitting around.
1: And of course, you picked one of the hottest times of the year in
0: Texas to do a move. I mean, did we pick or wore our leases up and it just made sense? You know, (laughs) a bit of both. Now, one thing that's fun and what we get to see
1: in how you're currently set up is you have a Darth Vader head mask thing. Yeah, they've never noticed that before.
0: Yeah, the Vader head's up there. Uh, it probably will stay up there. I'm thinking that Watt thing that Mom made will get showcased. You know, like the one behind you. Mine's uh-huh, green because it's uh-huh. better.
1: <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait. Green's better. Yeah, he's he's kind of got it. It's a, a better color. I'm going. <laughs> it's my favorite. Sorry. Okay. All right. Yeah. So cool.
0: Anyways, other than your down. internet, how are you doing? What's been what's been new? Hmm. Not a lot. Not a
1: lot really new. Uh okay. just doing my thing. I do have some travel coming up for work. Much of the summer has been a time where I could just stay home, work from home base, do a lot of prep for the year that's to come mm-hmm. on a school year cycle, because I support schools through my job. But I've got some travel coming up now. So I've downloaded some new audiobooks in preparation for that. I'm about to start Mark Lawrence's The Broken Empire series. Okay. And that's one that's been on my TBR for a while. It's some grimdark. I'm looking forward to it. So that's new for me. That's it. Your sister had a birthday. She's older. She's old.
0: Oh, sorry. Older.
1: Older. Older. Never call her old. Older. She's my sister.
0: I have to call her old.
1: (laughs) Uh, But that's it. That's all I got really to talk about. How about you? You've you've moved, obviously. Anything else? This was the big
0: thing. I Nothing else of note at the moment that's going to trump this. Various content that we've been consuming, books or otherwise. Rachel and I finished the most recent season of The Boys. So that was quite fun. Oh, yeah. That was very good. And then moving away from fantasy, kind of, I say kind of because the science is sometimes funky, we started watching back through Bones. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah. I watched all of Bones with your mother. We love exactly. that show. To me, it was like, I grew up with this. Should I have necessarily always grown up with this? I think it was fine, but I could see people being confused. But it's absolutely something that I'm enjoying watching back through.
1: See, it's great you bring up something like that, because that combines well with that Darth Vader helmet behind you in that we will soon have a new episode dropping for just our patrons, our Patreon supporters, the ones at uh, Abercrombie and up, who get the special content as a thank you. This will be our 16th episode we're about to record. Mm. And it's all about how do you get your child to love science fiction and fantasy? And Zach's mentioning a couple things that are p- were part of my devious plan, apparently.
0: Apparently.
1: But we'll save more of that for the episode. I just throw it out there because, you know, if you're enjoying the kinds of things Zach and I put out here and you want more, support us on Patreon. We've mm-hmm. got content we create just for our patrons. But once a month, there's a brand new episode. Special stuff only for them. And we'd love to share it with you. Uh, that's for our people who support us at $5 a month or more. But there are other perks for Patreon supporters, including... Being with us in live recordings on discord that only takes a dollar a month that's the base level to join on in so there are various perks at different tiers we encourage you to explore that you'll find how to find our patreon page in our notes here as well as the other ways that you can inter- interact with us discord facebook instagram twitter uh, speaking of instagram Yes, That's where I often drop drink recipes. And I have one today. Do you today. have a new one for us? I Fantastic. have a cocktail for us today. I do. Ooh, that looks
0: like my kind of drink.
1: And the picture is actually not on Instagram yet, but it will be by the time this drops. It Hello. is in our Discord
0: channel for drink recipes, though. And it's uh, called The Slayer. Mm-hmm. What's in it? It looks like it's kind of frothy in some way, almost like a root beer float kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, there is an element of that. And actually, you can't tell as much here, but if you saw it in a clear glass, it looks
0: gross.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it's delicious. It's whiskey, uh, Midori, and Baileys, and then that's all just mixed with ice. And then you pour Coke on top, and it goes fizzle, 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 you get all the foam, and it's good.
0: Yeah, that is a little ever so slightly dangerous because anytime you're mixing something carbonated and bailey's you've got that chance of that curdling happening and but there's not too much not so work. the curdling is not happening it's it's delicious yeah so
1: recommend the slayer check it out on our discord channel or look on instagram it'll be there eventually
0: what are you drinking zach <laughs> saw something just went in your mouth it's just a simple rum and coke uh it's nice having the full bar set up from various places not being at two places but just one but still keeping it simple for the moment until i've unpacked glassware okay
1: there you go i will point out again the background people can see around us on our youtube show i'm going to keep changing this and upgrading it as we move through literature so of course we're doing the shadow rising right now so that's the one featured there but also i'm reading through the book of the new sun so i've got that off over there Mm -hmm. I'm on book three of that now, The Sword of the Lictor. It's very good. Uh, It's a little dense. It's not easy reading necessarily, but I'm enjoying it. I have finished The Witcher series. So Mm -hmm. there's the last book of the regular run. There was one more book, Season of Storms, that I finished. It's not worth putting on the banner. Ouch. No, sorry. We didn't need Season of Storms. Honestly, (laughs) it was like uh, the author... Had such success with his series of books on The Witcher. And then fans want more. So, okay, here's more stories from the life of The Witcher. And, no, he kind of made them into a wuss. It wasn't super successful. That's not the Geralt we knew. Forget it. We didn't need that book. So I
0: I rated it actually rather low. You were clearly not a fan of that one.
1: Nah, no. I still finished it. And there were still parts that were entertaining, but I don't recommend it. And uh right here in the middle, yes, you can't see the name of that's it the, only uh, the author.
0: Audible only or the at least actually they've dropped something. it on Kindle now too. Did they actually it drop it now?
1: Yeah, it was gonna be Audible Only, and then they caved. So you can get a version to read The Law. It's a novella, 17.5 in the series. They consider it. And I thought it was really good. It's not very long, but it was a nice addition to the Dresden Vile universe. All right, that's all stuff about what I've been reading. Mm-hmm. Um, Most recently, I started a book, I'm almost done now, a standalone called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. I think I've heard of that. Totally different from the kinds of stuff I read. Fans out on Twitter had recommended it, and I I checked it out. It is fantasy, but grounded in real life type stuff with a fantasy element. I don't want to give too much away, but I think I might do an episode just reviewing it at some point, because it's been very good. It's made me think. (laughs) I've definitely liked it, so... That's what I'm on. And then, how's your uh, reading of Dragonflight coming, Zach? As
0: we work yeah, through the current book club. Quick updates there. I'm not done with Dragonflight because I've been reading some other things, but I am enjoying it. Uh, some of this I do actually remember and reminds me I did read this one in the past. Um, but some parts I'm like, I didn't read it paying much attention because I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. Including like the first couple pages of the book, you didn't remember. The so yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be more about that, especially if you are in our book club. Come join. It's fantastic. Already there's been some wonderful insight on that page from people who are just reading through, rereading, people who have finished the book. It's actually been quite entertaining, even just at this early stage. Absolutely. In addition, I'm still working my way through that second book in Broken Earth Trilogy, but in my I don't know what time to read, I also did finish The Lies of Locke Lamora. Ah. Recommending was fun. I absolutely recommend it. I do actually, I'm sure the book itself was good, but this is another one of those cases of a very well-done audiobook. The reader, performer, I need to learn the better term, what what the correct term is for the person who reads it in an audiobook. Does what wonders with accents that I couldn't even hope to do? It really brings the story to life. So that was really fun to see. I will be going back and continuing The Gentleman Bastards eventually, but currently we're moving on to Matthew Stover's Heroes Die. Ah, first book of the Acts of Cain. Yeah, I'll get to that
1: one eventually. It's down my list. Yeah, I am destroying my goals for reading for this year. I said I was going to get through 62 books, and I think I'm through
0: 55 now, and it's July. It's been fun to just plow through literature. I had been a bit behind, and then in this last month, I read like five and went, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm making, catching up. Okay, there you go. Well,
1: speaking of literature, we're here to talk about one of these great books again today, The what? Shadow Rising. We've oh, got fantastic. three chapters to work through because they're all short chapters. So this won't take us too long at all. Famous Fingers crossed. last words. <laughs> <laughs> We begin our content today, returning to Perrin in the Two Rivers with chapter 40, Hunter of Trollocs. It's been six days since we left Perrin, uh, when he and the group of young men of the Two Rivers with him went off hunting Trollocs
0: as very oh, really was gonna create a storm. You don't yes. think that's a bit on the nose with the chapter name? It's <laughs> <laughs> there's some more meaning
1: to the name here. We'll get to that. But as we rejoin Perrin, he's at the Ibarra farm, a pensive parent as he looks out over the burial grounds of this generational plot of land where the Ibaras have lived, and he's the last one. And there's 14 new grave sites right here. The rest of his family all wiped out at once.
0: Well, that got suddenly very sad.
1: Yeah, it's a deep moment. He and his men are camped nearby, nearly 50 of the young men of the two rivers, and... They have visitors, at this point, showing up from Emmonsfield. Field. The Lady Fail and Lord Luke. That's how they're introduced, of course, by Dan'l Lewin, the messenger who comes to Perrin. We have
0: visitors. We have visitors. Yeah, a certain feeling of self-importance pretending to be something more than the farm boys that they all are. Yeah. Perrin wants to be stern
1: at Fael. It's like, what are you doing here? Because he's all about keeping her safe. But honestly, he's happy to see her. So all he can do is reach out and hug her. It's a nice, warm welcome. Yeah. We learn from this moment, Faiyul had gotten all those who were rescued from the White Cloak camp six days ago safely to Emmonsfield. They're all in the Wine Spring Inn now. They are protected. The mayor's got his old halberd ready to hack away if he has to, to defend them in his homestead. And also, everyone has gathered into Emmonsfield as Perrin was advising. So all those farmers that were out in the various mm-hmm. places, they've all made it. Also the Aes Sedai. Which two Aes Sedai have been hiding? Varen and Alana. That's right. They're now also in Emmonsfield and their warders. And Loyal is there. And mm-hmm. Bane and Chiad have been there. Fail, she's here now. And she has a message from Loyal. And of course, since she's here with Perrin, so are Bane and Chiad now, Uh, by the way. She has a message that Alana has vanished twice without a word, once even without her warder. Now, Fayul doesn't know why she was asked by Varen to deliver this message, okay? She was- Um, Asked by Varen? Sorry, I misspoke
0: from Loyal. There we go. She doesn't know why.
1: Well, Perrin had asked Loyal to keep an eye on her.
0: Yeah, truthfully, Loyal probably doesn't really know why either.
1: Yep. Perrin simply says, well, Varen, here's where Varen comes in, Varen had warned Perrin against Alana to maybe be suspicious of her motives.
0: And look, even if you don't trust Varen necessarily, because you don't necessarily trust Aes Sedai, it's never a bad idea to be cautious and wary around Anais Sedai. So like, it's not bad advice no matter who it comes from. Right.
1: So we don't exactly know uh, what's going on with Alana, why she's disappeared from time to time, but we know it's happening. And that's something of concern to Perrin that he's trying to keep track of. Perrin is surprised to learn also from Fahil that people have been coming into Emmonsfield from all over the two rivers, not just mm-hmm. the people he's talked to, and that they're all coming in having heard this advice of Perrin
0: Golden Eyes. Apparently, the people have been talking to the people that have been talking to the people. It's been like a small town. News travels fast, and it's like gossip, except in this case, it's news that saves their lives.
1: Yes. And these people, they know Perrin Golden Eyes is out there on their behalf, leading some of the Two Rivers men fighting off the Trollocs, and he's being called Hunter of Trollocs another title he's being given by the common folk. And Perrin's just kind of sick of getting too many titles. <laughs> Fael says, in fact, some of these people, they act like they're waiting for Perrin to shape them into an army. And as a whole, chase these Trollocs all the way back to the Blight. And why
0: wouldn't they? Hardy Two Rivers
1: folk. So we do learn here now Perrin and his group, they have been following Trolloc trails and they had some success. They surprised a group of about 30 some Trollocs and totally wiped them out. Then they came upon another group of about 40, and this one had a fade with them, and they managed to take that group as well. They didn't completely surprise Mm -hmm. that one, but enough that they were successful. They haven't lost anybody, and they've killed over 70 Trollocs in a fade. I
0: think it's been important to note some of the tactic here, both for being clever, and also utilizing the strengths while minimizing the weaknesses of these boys. Two Rivers folk we know are known for their archery and their bows. Yes. And Perrin's been using that as best he can. Getting in good positions up on hills or mm-hmm. good distance away. So the Trollocs, there's no hand-to-hand combat through most of this. It's not, oh, we had to fight a Fade and all the boys poked him with their sticks. No, it's more we shot them from 100 yards away with our long bows. And as they ran towards us, we kept shooting. Well, and in both cases, Very impressive. they
1: had tracked them, scoped out where they were, and then waited till they were camped mm-hmm. for the night. They attacked when most of the Trollocs were asleep. They used yeah. those strategies you talked about, but they're not taking risks. They're, they're taking
0: sucker punches at these guys, and it's working. It is an impressive feat for farm boys to do, period, especially with the distance and accuracy required with their weapons, but it's not like they're suddenly running out and being grand soldiers. No, they're still the farm boys, just good with bows.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, of late, these guys that have been following Perrin have been kind of getting a little, maybe, bored, uh, demoralized, because after those first two incredible attacks, great successes, they have not found any more Trollocs. They keep hunting, searching... They've not come across any trails. The rains that have fallen have kind of washed everything away. Because that rainstorm Varin kicked off, turned out to be very powerful. And then over the last six days, it has continued. Like two or three more times, boom, thunderstorms. And it's like, yeah, there's no tracks anywhere of any use anymore. So they're Oops. just stumbling around through the westwoods, hoping to find Trollocs. At this point, Gaul comes into the camp, happens now to be with Bane and Chiad. They have found, finally, a new group of Trollocs. Uh, and it looks likely that this uh, this group is going to be headed towards where it can do some harm. So OK, this is a group that we're going to need to get to. Now, this is really well-timed that it mm-hmm. shows up. Because while Perrin and Fayyua were talking, Lord Luke was talking to some of the guys, these guys who were discontented, that we're not finding any more Trollocs. And he's actually been saying, you know, y'all might just want to come back to Emmons
0: Field now. I mean, maybe you killed them all. Maybe it's just not as good a use for you to keep hunting them out here. Either way, just come on back. We've got things all protected
1: there. And the people, they've heard what you've been doing. They're ready to welcome you home as heroes of the two rivers. And, And I'm sure some of the ladies will be more than happy to show their appreciation. And yeah. He's laying it on pretty thick, and some of these guys, like Will Alcine, he's like, yo, this this sounds like a better plan than just stumbling yeah, he around. He might
0: be laying it on thick, but that doesn't mean it's not effective. Now, just before Gaul walked in with the news, Perrin was like, okay, I hear what you're
1: saying, Luke. I don't think we're done, though, so I'm not going to stop any of you if you think you should go back to Emmons Field. I didn't make any of you follow me. I'm going to still be hunting out Trollocs. Anyone who wants to leave, you're free to leave, of course. And if you want to stay with me,
0: that's fine too. Fail's like, that's not how you do it when you're leading men. <laughs> and yet, even so, through a mixture of leading by example and having an almost like dad disappointment in his voice, uh, none of the boys are look like they're going to be leaving. No,
1: particularly now when we have a fresh target. So we're going to go and deal with these Trollocs that Gaul found. Perrin says to Lord Luke... You know, you're welcome to join us for this particular attack. He's like, mm, nope, I must, uh, I must pass. Uh, clearly, there's still trollocs around, uh, so I'm gonna head back to Emin's Field and make sure they're safe.
0: Yeah. Lord Luke prefers to one v fifty trollocs and uh, kill Fates with his own bare hands, not I'm having like, any support. I'm like, bak, bak, bak,
1: bak, bak. all right, so fine. Luke's gone. Fael doesn't leave. She's like, oh, no, 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 I, you were confused. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here by my man. All right. Perrin at least has gotten far enough in this relationship that he does not try to talk her out of that. He knows when the fight is useless. So they head off to a spot that Gaul has scoped out that's right along the path the Trollocs are heading. They figure they can get there before the Trollocs make it there and ambush them. It'll already be late They'll probably be tired. It'll be about the time they're planning to camp for the night, and we can get them.
0: You know, it sounds like a good plan. Absolutely. I'm sure nothing could go wrong.
1: Lord Luke, of course, he heard the plan, too. He's like, yeah, okay, well, have fun, guys. Have fun storming the castle. And off he goes. And Fayo looking at Perrin, can tell he doesn't mind that Luke didn't stick around for this. She's like, you really don't like him. Do you actually think he's a dark friend?
0: It's okay Fael. I don't like him either.
1: I don't think we're supposed to like Lord Luke. He's arrogant, he's got attitude, cocky. but is he a dark friend? Well that's to be determined. We don't get an answer here and Perrin doesn't say either way. Jump ahead. They're waiting at this ambush spot that Gaul prepped for them. Everybody's got good lines of sight, like you said, ready for their bows and they mm-hmm. they're gonna really do some damage and they wait and they wait. And they wait, and it's gotten longer than they expected it was going to take, but they're all holding to their spots. They're being silent. They're not all together. You know, they're scattered about. And then Perrin gets a whiff from the other direction of Trolloc. hmm And he raises the alarm as he turns. They're behind us!
0: And then he gets shot with an arrow. Well, yes. But it, it's almost a misnomer to say he gets shot with an arrow. He gets shot with a spear from a bow. <laughs> massive barbed head right in his side. It is described as big and nasty. Yep. This is not an arrow. Yeah, it is. It's wait, 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 wait. You guys have all seen,
1: if you're watching this, you've all seen the Lord of the Rings movies. This is the arrows that took out Boromir. Okay, those massive things. Sure. Hey, the Urukai and a Trolloc? That's not a bad comparison.
0: My brain actually goes to a different book parallel, but it's a little bit of a Stormlight Archive spoiler to mention them. So. All right, I get you. Well, he's been hit by an
1: arrow, but Perrin is a beast of a man. So that's not going to take him down. He's got his axe out and there's Trollocs to kill. So have at you and and the battle goes on. Now, he doesn't know what's happening anywhere else because everyone's spread out. He's not next to anyone else. He takes care of the Trollocs that come at him. They're down. He stops when he realizes he's just hacking the ground because he's gone right through this Trolloc and there's nobody else around anymore. And then a Fade shows up. Well,
0: shit. So I think he took out three Trollocs on his own. He definitely took out multiple after taking a Spearrow to the right, side.
1: Spiro, I like that. And so... He's a little tired, he's wounded, and a fade. I mean, these guys are always nasty. He goes at it with the fade, and they're going back and forth with stuff, and then he slips in the ground, he falls, and he's a dead man until suddenly Yvonne shows up. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the Warder of Alana. Out of nowhere, here's Yvonne,
0: who takes off the fade's head. It's a great moment where it's like fade just pulls sword back, and then Fade's head falls off. It's fine. Yep. Deus ex
1: Warder. Turns out uh, Ivan was sent to find Perrin, and he'd been tracking them from their various places, and just happened to come upon them at the time of this attack. I'm sure he did. Yeah, it sounds. It's kind either of too very good to sus
0: or it's very convenient to it. One or the other. And then Perrin is like, wait, wait, wait. Alana
1: sent you to me? Okay, he doesn't have any time to deal with this, though. Yvonne says, there are more Trollocs around. You've clearly done a little bloodying of them, but this group was like 100 Trollocs, according to what I've seen in the area and Consents. Remember, Warders, Consents, Shadowspawn. So he's like, you have not taken care of them all. There's still quite a few Trollocs out here. Rally your men. So that's what Perrin does, and he calls for everybody. And he rallies them to him, and oh, goodness, there's Fael, thank goodness. Oh, there's Gaul, he's limping, but he's still alive. Unfortunately, when they all gather, there's 27 faces missing.
0: Yes, as we, as a quick reminder, Fail was okay, Gaul was okay, Perrin's okay. All of these people are relatively proficient at something that doesn't require range. Everybody else, uh, so about half of them, a little more than. Yeah, yeah are just dead.
1: That's a really worthy point to have made. The two rivers are bowmen. So if they get snuck up from
0: behind by Trollocs, there's not much they can do. And I mean, sure, maybe they're all capable with the quarterstaff. We've seen Matt, a farmer, very capable with the quarterstaff. But I don't recommend trying to use a bow as a quarterstaff, especially when it's strong. Yvonne suggests we need to get out of here now.
1: And with all these Trollocs around, what we need to do is look tough because there aren't any other Fades. The one that we just killed here, this one was not attached to the Trollocs, unfortunately, because we know what happens. Remind us what happens if you kill a Fade that's attached to the Trollocs. Ashes, ashes, they all fall dead. Hey, nice. This one was a a free agent. Uh, So these other Trollocs are out there, but that means they're also not being driven by a merdral. So Trollocs are creatures of convenience. If they sense that we are easy meat, they're coming. If they think we're gonna be more work than it's worth, they may leave us alone. So let's get tough and rough and get out of here. That's Yvonne's plan. Perrin's like, okay, let's give that a try. He He gives orders. They have some horses amongst them. Not enough for everybody. He says, everyone who's injured, get up on a horse. And Fael's sitting there
0: going, <clears throat> pointing at the arrow in his side. And Perrin wants to say no, but he can't like stand really at this point. So
1: she gets off Stepper, her horse, and Perrin gets on and uh, they get out of there and it works. They managed to get out of the Westwood, out into the fields, the farm fields of the two rivers. And now let's find a place, a farmhouse, something, where we can tend to the wounded, rest, and and then figure out what's next. And they've gone about a mile looking for a place when they start to hear music. Yeah, they don't find a place, they find the people. They do. Music and happiness, cheerful sounds, and and everybody looking around at each other is like, that's a good sign because if if people are playing music and are happy, it means they're safe. They're not being attacked.
0: They're not actively being attacked <laughs> right? this second.
1: They head that direction, and that's where the chapter ends. Told you, these are short chapters. We move to chapter 41. You were going to say something.
0: I just, it seems pretty clear to me that if we didn't already know uh, magic in this world, there's no such thing as bards. Like, the bards that we have tell stories. Maybe throw some knives. They don't do magic, because you don't hear music and combat together. So music doesn't necessarily
1: go with power and fighting is that what you're exactly saying?
0: like maybe but
1: not inherently well this music goes with the tuatha on because chapter 41 is called among the tuatha It's ah. kind of a spoiler <laughs> but right away they head to the source of the music and it's the tankers the aiel they fade off into the the distance as they approach the camp they're like, oh yeah, uh, the Lost Ones, we don't want to deal with them. Can you remind us what that's about? Because Perrin has no idea what, what they're talking about, why they won't have anything to do with the on.
0: But we I mean, know. We know. That being said, the three here don't know either. <laughs> well, they know that traditionally they don't want anything to do with the on. They know by tradition the Aiel do nothing with them. But... They don't know what we know, which is that they were once the same people. That yes. these people who abandoned their mission but kept the way of the leaf were Aiel and now are the Tuatha on <laughs> the traveling people looking for their song. Correct. But these Aiel have no idea. They just know no. eh, 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 eh. we're they not key. comfortable with these guys. Yeah, exactly. However, speaking of songs, there's a beautiful moment here at the beginning that shocks kind of everybody because the Tuatha do their whole greeting thing. Do you know the song? And Perrin knows the response because he's been through this before. And
1: they're all like, <laughs> not only has he been through this before, though, he's like,
0: are you freaking kidding me? The the Mahdi, the seeker, yeah. the leader of this group, he knows this guy. This is the same group of Tuatha'an that he encountered with Egwene and Elias previously. Yeah, Perrin's mind is kind of blown. He's like,
1: what are the odds? It's, it's okay. almost like the wheel has plans for me. And he's like, I'm starting starting to sound like an Aes Sedai. No!
0: Now, at the same time, I find a certain level of convenience in going, was Robert Jordan just saying the Tuatha'an aren't important enough to have a bunch of different groups with named characters and we're just going to have one group that's named characters? Maybe a bit of both. Uh, but come on, we know where the story goes. I think, I think there's, there's more s- to it than this. Real significance and good point as to why these Tuatha'an are these Tuatha'an But up until this point, have we met any others? No. This is book four. Come on.
1: No, I don't want you throwing shade on Robert Jordan for not giving us more Tuatha on because holy cow, we've got over 2,000 named characters in this series already. Really? You wanted him to introduce us to more of them?
0: Yeah, why not? (laughs) Well. At least make a point to mention that there's like different ones that have joined this group or something. I do need to mention I misspoke. We met one other Tuatha on in the Dragon Reborn. We did yeah she was a messenger she died oh
1: you're right you're right that's my
0: bad i've given robert jordan crap and i just am failing in doing so because he already met my expectations
1: <laughs> well as they are together here now of course perrin recognizes them will they also recognize him and they ask him uh, is elias with you Okay, that's a name from the past. Remind us who Elias was.
0: Yes, Elias is the other wolf brother that we have met and really interacted in this sphere with. He kind of explained a lot of the initial stuff to Perrin way back in the Eye of the World. We haven't really seen him since. But he also has further back connections that we know he used to be a warder at one point and has some level of familiarity with Leon.
1: Mm-hmm. Perrin does share, no, I haven't seen Elias in quite some time. Rain and his wife, Isla, welcome them in and immediately start tending to their injuries. Perrin warns them, there are Trollocs nearby. You guys might want to actually move this caravan over to Emmons Field, but they won't. He's told, where there are people gathered, there's a likelihood of violence. We've just learned this as we've traveled around ever since the breaking. And that kind of violence, that conflicts with the way of the leaf that we follow. So we stay away from towns, villages, cities. It's just not a good place for Tuathan. We're going to keep traveling,
0: looking for the song. It's a different reasoning, but it's a very similar concept to something Perrin is also familiar with. And that the wolves typically stay away from large groups of people, cities, towns. Same kind of reason. Very different reasons, but same end. Goal concept idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I lost words. <laughs> uh, but I get you. You're
1: you're on track there. Now, soon after this, Perrin's energy gives out. His his injury finally catches up with him. And they get him up into Rain and uh Rain and Isla's cabin and lay him on their bed, inspect the injury. And oh wow, he's got this nasty barbed arrow. He's broken off the arrow. It's just the the arrow head, but it's embedded. In his side, Isla's like, yeah, I, I can't take that out. I mean, I could if I had to, but I am not of that level of the care he's going to need. That's what I'm saying. There's a good
0: chance it would kill him.
1: Yeah. They shoo the men away. So this is just Fail and Isla now looking at this. And she's like, uh, you probably want a different option. And Fail says, well, there's someone in Emmons Field who can help. So we'll need to take him there. Who might she be thinking of? Who's in Emmons field who could help with an injury like this? To someone's, potentially. Aes Sedai. Yes. He needs real healing. So we'll get him moving in tomorrow. But Fayel says, will it will he be okay to leave that until then? And Ayla's like, well, better than pulling it out now and trying to
0: heal him tomorrow. You know, yeah. nah. It's a hope he doesn't die in the meantime versus kill him now.
1: And he's a strong, robust man. He should be fine. Isla prepares some things to stave off the risk of infection and kind of tries to immobilize the little bit of arrow that's still there. So it's not going to do more damage. Gives him orders. Stay in bed and gives Faiul orders. Don't let him move. Mm -hmm. He can
0: talk, but he should not be up. And she prepares something to help him sleep. Contrary to most of the things that have been done by Perrin himself throughout a lot of this, most of this is actually pretty good field medicine. Mm-hmm. I approve. There you go. Perrin, he wants nothing to do with a sleeping
1: draft. It's like, no, no, he doesn't need that. Perrin, in fact, feels like he's being over cared for. He doesn't want to be babied by anybody. But Faiul is having none of it. You are staying in this bed. But they do talk. And Perrin reveals he is feeling awful right now because he feels like he blundered and led them into a slaughter. 27 of these people that he knows he grew up with are dead. And he's, he's taking that as his blame, his fault. And Fahil's like, dude, stop it. You didn't do anything wrong. She points out even Gaul was surprised. He doesn't understand how they could have come around from behind them. That should not have happened. So circumstances can change on you. You can't predict everything. And in fact, she points out, you got us out of there. You know, after that mess happened,
0: you managed to rally them everybody and kept us safe. And we got out alive. Yeah. And look, Perrin might be defeatist and down on himself and say, no, Yvonne did that. It was his plan. All these things. It's like, yeah, the two rivers boards, we're not going to follow a warder.
1: Nope.
0: That is you. You did it. And you need to keep doing it.
1: They need you. So start. stop talking about how you're not good enough for this.
0: You shouldn't be leading anybody. You are what they need. If you're getting extra care, it's not because, oh, we just care more about you. No, it's because we need you alive. She makes one comment here that's going to come up
1: as significant a moment later. So I'm going to point it out here. She mentions, my father has always said that the worst thing you can do when you're responsible for men is abandon them. You need to stay the course, Perrin. You need to be in charge and stop doubting yourself. Okay, now I'll come back to that in a moment. Mm -hmm. But the door has a knock at this point and another old acquaintance of Perrin makes his presence known. Aram, acquaintance is kind. Acquaintance is kind. Why do you say that, Zach? His parent doesn't like him. An acquaintance is not someone you have to like. It's someone you are acquainted with.
0: Yeah, but it's generally <laughs> used in context of like I don't know them well enough to be like a friend, but we're friendly. I like this person well enough, and it's like no, this is this is a guy he knows. That he wouldn't trust with his sister uh, if she were still alive. So, in the world of
1: Zach, there are friends, acquaintances, and
0: enemies who suck. Is that what you're oh, telling me? There's definitely a middle ground of like people <laughs> you know but like don't trust. They're not enemies. You just like, all right, all right. Don't necessarily so- want to go out with them and get drunk because you don't know if you would make it home. Properly. So
1: Aram falls into that middle category you're describing. For Aram
0: parent, absolutely would leave his friends to go home with a girl instead. Now, why does he feel
1: this way? How has he met Aram before? What, what was the circumstance?
0: Tell us a little more. He was hitting on Egwene. That's the big thing, which is not a problem in and of itself at all. And Aram actually gets a lot of bad rap here from Perrin that is kind of undeserved. Yeah, he's a flirt. Yeah, he has his own ideas and thoughts and opinions throughout the matter, but Perrin was projecting his own feelings about A, what Egwene was supposed to be doing in that situation, and B, what is proper by Two Rivers standards.
1: Yeah, back at that time, Egwene and Rand were basically promised to each other. So what the heck was she flirting with Aram and being responsive to his hit-on approaches? So Yeah, that had something to do with it. But he also thought Aram was an arrogant twit. So that kind of comes out when he's injured and not real patient. And he bites his head off because Aram's, one of his first comments is, so is Egwene with you? Yeah. Yeah, he says, you mean Egwene Sedai? She's an all I Sedai now. And if she even heard you asking about her, she'd probably do something to you. You know, I, I forget the exact quote, but... That's probably not
0: true. She'd probably she probably still blush. Aram's hot.
1: <laughs> Anyways, gets rid of Aram pretty quick. With him gone, Perrin corners Fail with a question. Because again, I mentioned how she commented on my father has said, and it's it rises to the top for Perrin that she's referenced things her father has said many times over the course mm-hmm. of their relationship. Mm-hmm. And she's portrayed him as a wood merchant, a fur dealer, some sort of trader, but he keeps hearing these comments that don't make sense with the things she's Mm -hmm. described him as. So he very frankly now says, Fayo, who is your father? And she drops a bombshell.
0: Yeah, a little bit.
1: Yeah, there's a pause. She's like thinking about it, collects herself, And then shares here's the quote from the from the text my father is davram of house bashir lord of bashir Tyr, and sedona guardian of the blight border defender of the heartland marshal general to queen zenobia of saldea uh tenobia sorry that's there we go i
0: was about to correct you because i'm like
1: i know that one and her uncle the uncle of the queen now i want to mention this Okay, Zenobia. that totally screwed me up. But yeah. as I was typing all these things, the frickin' computer was autocorrecting like every
0: other word. Oh, absolutely, I believe it.
1: When you truly know how to type, you're looking at what you're copying, and you're not watching as you type. So I have to then go back and carefully check to make sure, and I could I recorrected so many of these words, and, yeah, Zenobia.
0: That one missed me. On the one hand, I trust you. On the other hand, I know you're a better typer than me. But on the third hand, I also go, yeah, but maybe just like remember you're dealing with fantasy and no! auto-correct is literally no! every word. Because I don't have that issue. I type much slower than you do. Well, I also true. switch back and forth at pretty much every word when I'm copying to make sure I had it right.
1: I can guarantee this was not just a simple typo. Because T and Z are nowhere near each other on the keyboard. That's correct. So I typed Tenobia and it autocorrected to Zenobia, which I have hey, no idea if that's least a word. it didn't end up in Genovia. Ah, I'm going to look up now. Uh, what is Zenobia? It is the Queen of Palmyra from 267 to 272. Third century A.D., she conquered Egypt and much of Asia Minor. See, so Zenobia was a word. Sorry, the queen of where? I gotta look it up again now. I'd already closed <laughs> it. I was just sitting here going, "This was really old." She was the queen of the Palmyran Empire, which is where modern day Syria is. Yes. Okay. So Zenobia was an actual person. It all autocorrected Tenobia to Zenobia, and I didn't catch it. But we just learned something about Queen Zenobia. So, hey, that's, that's, you learn
0: something new every day. For our history buffs, you maybe didn't learn something. Maybe you already knew it. (laughs) But anyone else, you may or may not be interested. Now, let me
1: ask you, Zach all this that she just, he just learned about Davram of House Bashir.
0: What are the implications of knowing who her father really is now? One, Fayil's nobility too, when you tack in that last little bit. She's nobility, not necessarily that far removed from the throne of a country. Her dad has a lot of titles and positions and lands, and she's somewhere in there, and a lot of pieces of how she acts have clicked into place for Perrin.
1: And then let's add, to the fact that Perrin's in a relationship with her, and he's
0: just a schmuck from the
1: two rivers. He's a blacksmith.
0: Yeah. I do think it's really fun. And a little bit telling of how, maybe how things are, but at least how Faiyul views it, that she tacked on the, and her uncle, at the end. (laughs) Indeed. Now we also
1: learn, how did Faiyul come to be where she is, a hunter of the horn, all this nonsense. She was stuck having to learn to manage the books and handle the trading for the House of Bashir, because... She had two older brothers, and they both died. So she became the eldest child. And she's stuck at home being groomed for being the successor to house the bureaucracy. Bashir. Yeah. And she hates this. And then she's watching her younger brother being taught how to go out and hunt and and go off to war with father. And it's like, no. So when her father and younger brother are away. And the hunt for the horn is called. She's like, that's it. I'm done. I am out. And she basically ran away. Oh, she left a note for her mom explaining where she was and what she was doing. But I'm sure that went over very well. Oh, I'm sure. And so she's gone. She has not been home. She doesn't know how they feel about it. But hmm.
0: admittedly, we can't give her that much crap for running away from home and leaving a note. Because slightly different circumstances, but Perrin (laughs) did the same thing. (laughs) And when he came back, his whole family was dead, so...
1: Oh!
0: (laughs) Okay, now
1: it's Fayil's turn. We've had this big revelation on the true backstory of Fayil Bashir. She says to Perrin now, okay, when Aram had poked his head in, he saw your golden eyes, and he made the comment of... Oh, I see you decided to follow Elias's way, running with the wolves. What was that about? Now, she just uh, heard a name Elias just a little earlier yeah. when they arrived. Okay, Perrin finally tells Fahil everything he's been holding back. He looks her straight in the eyes and says, I'm
0: a werewolf.
1: Okay, not quite, but more or less. Yeah, I've got uh, all these enhanced senses. I met this guy, Elias. He introduced me to talking to wolves. And that's when my eyes turned golden. And yes, I can hear and smell way better than a typical person. More like a wolf. Talks about the wolf dream that he Mm -hmm. experiences. And finally, he tells about his fear. That if he ever loses control, he will go full wolf. He'll just be gone. There'll be no parent. It will be a wolf, at least in his head. Now, he had always hid this, held it back. Because honestly, when it comes to Fail, he's afraid she'd leave. Anybody would reject him if they knew this about him. That's what he deep down believes. And now that he knows she's truly the Lady Fail, not just that the townspeople are calling her that, she is the Lady Fai'il. She's like, yeah, this is the end.
0: Now it's like, oh, she should leave. Ah, mm-hmm, ah. Mm-hmm. she doesn't.
1: No, her response is, well, if your hearing's that good, I better start watching what I mutter. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually very apt because Parent has overheard many comments she didn't realize many. he was listening to. But he's like, wait, what? That's it? I mean, what would your father think to know you're, you're hanging out with me, a blacksmith who thinks he's a wolf half the time? She's like, oh, no, he'd think that's good the Bashir stock has been kind of getting wimpy and, and you'll bolster it up.
0: Yeah. What?
1: <laughs> Not hey, at all. Parent, you're a young bull. He is so shocked at this reaction that she hands him something to drink and he just drinks it down. He's like, what the? It was the sleeping draft that Isla had prepared. She just
0: tricked him into think- Yeah, drinking. He's come a long way from when he looked at goblets and didn't drink them in dreams. Now he just drinks whatever's handed to him. And very quickly, it's potent stuff. He drifts off to
1: sleep as she's comforting him, calling him her Wolf King. I think she's endeared even more to Perrin, knowing he's kind of like a wolf. I mean,
0: who wouldn't want that golden retriever gamer boyfriend?
1: <laughs> All right. So apparently, Perrin's stuck with Fai'il. If you're on the I don't like Faul train, well, give it up because she's not going anywhere. I
0: like Fail.
1: I appreciate her reaction here. Not everybody does.
0: <laughs> she's got pros. She's got cons. But either way, she's here to stay.
1: That was the end of a chapter. So let's do one more and see what happens next. Okay. Chapter 42 is called A Missing Leaf. Perrin finds himself standing near a on wagon in bright sunlight, alone, feeling fine. And he realizes I'm in the wolf dream. I'm sleeping. I'm not in pain. There's no arrow remembering that Fayil tricked him into drinking the sleeping draft. He's also like, yeah, and I'm not waking up anytime soon. That thing put me out. So I got some time to kill. I might as well use it. And using the abilities in the Wolf Dream that he's developed, he covers some territory. Mm-hmm. Can you remind us what I'm ta- what am I talking about? When he's in the Wolf Dream, he can do what? I, I mean, his leaps and bounds are leagues, literally. Yeah. He looks like he can just barely see a farm in the distance and he takes a step and he's there. Bam, one step. He's in this farmyard. Looking around, there's nobody there. It's clear there's signs the place has been abandoned. It's a like, good sign. That means they packed up and they left. And so he travels the countryside checking farmsteads and he's
0: finding the same thing everywhere. People have packed up and gone. They've followed good sense. Honestly, it kind of makes me wonder, man, you had six days and you didn't think during one of the nights camped or something to scout out in the wolf dream for Trollocs or signs of them? No, uh, no, I didn't pass granted, maybe it wouldn't have come to me either, but it feels like something that would have been really useful to use. Hmm.
1: Now he does see something else that attracts his attention while he's in the wolf dream. At this point, he sees a flock of ravens flying away off into the Westwood farther in. And ravens are not good. Remember, we've learned they're often the eyes of the Dark One. So that having attracted his attention, he follows the ravens off into the Westwood. And in fact, he goes further in, all the way into the Mountains of Mist, back to where he first started out. Mm-hmm. Okay, he goes to the Waygate. This is where he first saw Slayer. Checking this out. He finds the Waygate. There's something wrong. When they left the way gate, Loyal had taken the leaf, the Avenda Sora leaf from the inside, and put it on the outside.
0: What purpose did that serve? Remind us. It locked the way gate, at least from that side. No one inside the ways was going to be able to open that door. And why was that important? Why did they want to lock it? They had detected what? Because
1: that is how Trollocs were getting in and out. Right, right. So... No more Trollocs can get out. Well, when he looks at the way gate now, there's only one leaf on the door. Mm. Where's the other leaf? And as he's thinking about that, he looks back at it again, and in a blink of an eye, it's changed. The way gate's open. Uh Uh-oh. And as he looks inside, there's no leaf on the inside either. And he discerns very quickly what that means. Somebody is holding the other leaf right now, has opened the gate, and... It's actively in use. Something is either going in or coming out of the gate, and he's pretty sure it's something is coming out. And what would Mm -hmm. be coming out of the way gate? More trollics. More trollics. Yeah, yeah. As he has that thought, something catches him out of the corner of the eye, and he shifts his position very quickly, which is good instinct because... Yeah, good reaction time. An arrow goes right through the space where his chest had been moments before.
0: I have to imagine either A, he saw wherever the arrow came from, or B, he saw the arrow coming, and the reaction time of a wolf dream is a lot faster than human reaction time. Mm. Because if you just saw the arrow, no, you'd be hit. Yeah. Well, his reflexes save him,
1: and then he jumps, again, using the power of the dream, to where the arrow would have come from, based on the trajectory to try to find who just shot him. But then he brilliantly thinks very quick, no, this would be stupid. And he jumps again and again and again because he's thinking back to the last time he interacted with Slayer. And when he jumped to where Slayer had attacked from, Slayer expected that and attacked him again. So he's not going to walk into that trap again. That's what he's Mm -hmm. thinking. He jumps around multiple times and manages actually to get behind where the person who's shooting at him is. So we finally get a clear view of, it is, Slayer. See, my drink, Slayer. My gone drink. That's kind of sad. Good thing the episode's almost done. Okay, but we get a clear look, because Slayer doesn't see Perrin from behind watching him. He's still looking ahead, thinking to find him. What do we learn? He's dressed in a Borderland style. He looks in appearance, in face, head shape, like he could be a relative, a brother of Lan.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean
1: so similar to Lan. Perrin swears that oh Lan doesn't have any relatives. He's got no brothers. I mean his kin are all gone. But this guy could be related to Lan. And in fact, he's got his hair head back uh, held back by a braided cord, just like Lan does. That malkieri style. So you would swear is malkieri But Perrin knows, lands the last of the Malkiri. Well, Perrin believes that. Spoiler light. Knowing this man had no issue trying to kill Perrin from ambush, Perrin pulls his bow and tries to kill him now. But whether he took too long or he made a noise, Slayer senses it too and (laughs) streaks away. So now they continue a merry little chase. Perrin is not able to catch him. But the other guy can't catch Perrin either. At one point, they end up in a spot where they know they're near each other, but neither can see each other. And Slayer starts talking, just talking to the air, knowing Perrin can hear him. Mm -hmm. And from what he says, we learn a few key things. One, since that way gate had been locked, a whole bunch of shadow spawn died because they got to the other side and they couldn't get out and Makin' Shin got them. Yes, that's exactly what Perrin was hoping for. But the gate is now open. Basically, Slayer says, well played, but
0: I fixed it. We've got plenty of cannon fodder.
1: Slayer also is clearly taking credit for the Trollocs that are in the two rivers. He's Mm -hmm. like, initially, I just brought a few hundred to mess with the white cloaks to ensure that the renegade would die. Okay. What does that mean, Zach? The renegade would die. That Slayer had come to see the renegade dies. Do you think it's obvious enough that we can say what that means?
0: Um, I think you can go there. What I want to touch on first is a different keyword. He said initially. Initially, it was just a few hundred. Yeah, well, that's the next thing we'll talk about for sure. Yeah.
1: The renegade, well, who's with the white cloaks, who doesn't fit with the white cloaks, and is clearly part of bad guys? Fain. and Fane. So Slayer was here with Trollocs to keep the White Cloaks busy and to kill Fane. But we've already learned earlier that's not working out. (laughs) No. Fane is having his own power and doing his own things. But okay, you wanted to go to, okay, initially so what else does Perrin learn now?
0: There's a lot more Trollocs!
1: Because Slayer now knows Perrin is here. Perrin is the bigger prize than Pat and fame, So he's bringing Trollocs after Trollocs after Trollocs to try to get Perrin. Wow. Now, it also dawns on Perrin, okay, you're telling me I'm the primary prize? Yeah, all this talk you're doing, you're trying to get me to be too interested in what you're saying, not paying attention to what you're doing. You're trying to get me right now. He's actively stalling. So I'm out. He's like, that is not happening. And he steps out of the wolf dream. Unfortunately, since he's still stuck under a sleeping draft, he can't wake up. What happens is he steps out of the wolf dream into a real dream, which for a moment, Perrin's like, ah, crap, and then forgets he's even in a dream, which is okay, because it's with Fail, and it's a good moment, and shortly after that, he's just blissfully happy and could care less.
0: That could have gone so much worse. We're, we're glad it didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Next thing we jump to it's morning. Perrin's waking up, and now, dang it, there's still an arrow in his side. <laughs> Ouch. And he's consumed with, I gotta get to the way gate. I have to seal the way gate. Help me up. And Fai'el's like, uh-uh, stay still. You're going to Emmons Field. You would die before you ever saw it. You're not going to a waygate. gate. You're going to Emmons Field. We need to get you healed. Uh-huh. Now, Yvonne is present, and he overhears Perrin's words, and his confidence is, oh, so... Mm, there's going to be more Trellox. He doesn't question how Perrin could know the way gate's open. That's interesting.
0: I mean, whether he knows how or not, I, I think it's a little bit fair at this point that most warders to competent Aes Sedai will take that information and go, yeah, okay. Perrin wants
1: to get going as soon as possible. If he's not going to be allowed to go to the way gate, then let me get to Emmons Field and get healed. So then I can go to the way gate. That's what's in his head now. Fayo's like, not so fast. And insists on feeding him first. Not insists on him eating first. Literally feeding him. A spoon at a time, like he's a child. It's like, seriously? Okay, sometimes Fayo might go a little overboard.
0: I think she might be enjoying this a little too much.
1: <laughs> but once he has eaten... Isla uh, comes in to join him. Fail and Isla help him up out of bed carefully. Help him exit the wagon, and okay, let's let's get going to Emmons Field. Now again, he talks to Rain and says, "Please, you Tuathaan, you should come with us. Come to the safety of Emmons Field." And Rain actually considers it for a moment, and he's like, "I don't know how you even get me to think about something like this, Tabirin. To- Yes, he has that sway, but they're they're so ingrained in the way of the leaf and sticking to their commitments that he actually asks the rest of them. Perrin says we should go to Emmons Field for safety. What say you? And they're all like, no, no, no. The Tinkers are safe through moving, not through villages. So mm-hmm. they will stick sure. with what they do. They're going to move on. I'm sure they'll be safe. Isla has very significant words here. I thought they were worth quoting. She says, The way of the leaf is not only to do no violence, but to accept what comes. The leaf falls in its proper time, uncomplaining. The light will keep us safe for our time. That's deep. It doesn't say the light will keep us safe. The the light will keep us safe until we're no longer supposed to be safe. We die when we die. Like, predestination here, man. Any thoughts on that? It's,
0: It's very interesting. I like it as it pertains to violence. There's a certain danger to the words that she says, I feel, especially in the context of, like, the Wheel of Time, where there are certain things that are going on that don't necessarily require you to be violent or around violence to always do your part. But the wording seems to imply, you take what comes. You don't necessarily stand in defiance, regardless of whether it's violent or not. And I don't think that's true. I don't think that's the case. Mm. But the wording implies it.
1: Parent does have a response to her, you know, the way of the leaf is not for everyone. And she actually has a comeback of the way of the leaf is for everyone. They just don't know it.
0: I feel like it may even just be my failed interpretation of what's being said to a certain extent. We look at the TV show and the demonstration of nonviolent protests that the Tuatha on had in opposition to white cloaks in a scene. Yep. And while they took what came of their protest, having protest to say, no, you won't take was in and of itself like a not taking what comes. So it's a weird, like, you can oppose things, but also you take what comes in stride. And in a way I'd say
1: it wasn't that in the TV show that they opposed things they stood for things so you can stand for these are our guests and we will protect them you can't just take them but they weren't opposing the white cloaks so much they were standing for their own principles white cloaks free to do what they want to do and they're willing to take what the white cloaks will do to them it's it's a close thing but it's i think a it's a very
0: fine line and i think it's very understandable that we saw the ideal in their history breaking from the wheel of sure. uh, the way of the leaf and even trying to justify and say no we still keep with it but this and all those little yeah, qualifiers because yeah. it is that very hard line to walk
1: so as parent and his group get their stuff together and head out he notices all of these tinkers they all seem content at peace this is how we are except one guy he notices Aram off to the side Hands in his pockets, kind of looking almost sulky, like he's not. It's not sitting well with him that they're not going along. Demons Field. Perrin will remember this. He will, and so should you. All right. As Perrin's group then draws close to Emmonsfield, you know they've gone on for a ways here. They're working their ways, and and it's been hard. I mean, most of them are feeling great. You spend a day with the the tuathon They're fun. They're they're singing, they're dancing. Oh, they're dancing. Yeah, some of them danced that uh, that dance that Perrin had seen once before. And the young men were like... <laughs> and Perrin's like, yeah, I've seen that before. And there's a funny moment when Fayul says, okay, you saw that? Yeah, that's nothing. Wait till someday when I show you the Sasara and somebody nearby heard her say that who knows what it is, and she starts blushing. Apparently that's a very sexy dance. Because then she feels embarrassed that she was talking about doing it. Yeah. Anyways, everybody's feeling a lot better than the day before when half their people died. So Perrin wants to keep that vibe going as long as possible. So as they're traveling, he's in more and more pain. He's riding a horse, but horseback. up. Uh, and down. He's got an arrow in his side, okay? So he is not feeling so good, but he's not. He's sucking it up. He's not whining. We're just going to power through. As they approach Emmons field, finally, parents like, oh, thank goodness. They notice, first thing, sheep. Okay, all these abandoned fields and farms and stuff. Well, here's a whole bunch of sheep. It's like a massive gob of sheep and 10 shepherds out there guarding them. And half of the Mm -hmm. shepherds aren't just young boys who usually watch the sheep. They're grown men. So safety in numbers, prepared to defend themselves if they need to, and all the flocks are kept together for safety.
0: There's a certain element of when they've abandoned their farms that have crops, these people have some of the most important job in the two rivers for longevity's sake right now because they are protecting the livelihoods of the entire two rivers that is in this section. Maybe not the other towns, but Evans Field? Definitely. Sure. Then when the town itself comes into sight,
1: whoa, there have been some changes. First of all, the western edge of town grew out right up to the edge of the woods. Well, that's changed. The trees have been cut down 500 paces away from town, and you can still hear axes. They're still clearing more woods. They're creating a gap of open space. Why? That's kind of obvious, I thought. Would you? Why would they do that?
0: Arrows fly a lot farther in open space than they do through a bunch of trees. You also can see further. You can't hide through the wood.
1: Well, and and more importantly, yeah, you'll see if someone's coming before they've snuck through the trees and ta-da, they're in town. Yeah. So both those purposes. It's better defensibility. Speaking of defensibility, there are waist-high stakes stuck into the ground, angled out towards anybody who'd be coming at town. Rows and rows and rows of those stakes. The only place you can get through the stakes is where the road is. Everywhere else, it's kind of
0: impassable without removing stakes, yeah. you know. now for country bumpkins, this is some pretty decent initial fortification. They also see men on
1: sentry at the edges of town in various places, and even others up on top of roofs with bows, guarding, ready to shoot anybody approaching. And then Perrin sees this large contraption a wooden construct with a big pile of stones next to it. He's like, well, that's new. And Yvonne says, yeah, it's a catapult. Tomas mm-hmm. and I, we, we taught them what a catapult was, how to build it, and they got right to it. There's six of them around the town now when I left, and they're still working on more, I understood. So yeah, they have really been busy making this place defensible.
0: I think it's really cool that they know how to make catapults, specifically Yvonne and Tomas. Know how to make catapults because maybe this is just me being crazy, but the common person who uses a catapult doesn't know how to make a catapult. Mm. Just because you are trained to operate it, to load it, to fire it with your team, doesn't mean you know how it works, doesn't mean you mm. could build one.
1: Warders are us step do. above.
0: Yep. They
1: enter the town, Perrin and his group, and he starts hearing, It's Perrin Goldeneyes. Perrin Golden Eyes. Perrin Golden Eyes. Apparently, he's now famous. People come pouring out of the buildings to see him. And he just starts shaking his head. I mean, mostly to himself. But he's like, these guys know me. I mean, come on, I grew up here. What the heck? When he sees Sen Buoy. Sen Buoy. Old cratchety Sen Bui, Lift a little boy up on his shoulders so he can see Perrin Golden Eyes. He's like, oh, these guys have gone nuts.
0: A little <laughs> bit.
1: In the center of town he finds a banner up on a pole planted in the ground with a red wolf's head on it. And Perrin's like, uh, "What? what's with that? And files like, I don't know. But Varen comes up at that point and says, it's a symbol. There's power in symbols. Alana had mentioned how much Trollocs fear wolves, and someone came up with a wolf banner as a good symbol for what we're doing here. A good idea. Mm.
0: I'm sure that was
1: all. Yeah. Fai'el's not so sure that's a good idea. Uh, that looks a lot like we are staking our claim to this territory. And um, this belongs to Andor? Now, Perrin kind of laughs at that. It's like, yeah, lines on a
0: map says it, it
1: belongs to Andor. belongs to
0: Andor.
1: Nobody here even knew that. Uh, I doubt anybody in town realizes they're part of Andor. We haven't seen men here in decades.
0: That being said... Knowing Elaine, he's not necessarily excited to push that particular issue. Yeah, Fayel also thinks that's not a good idea to push, because she's like,
1: yeah, okay, lines on a map. Rulers tend to believe the lines on maps. It was obvious when Varen had come forward to explain this, that, oh, Aes Sedai, Aes Sedai, he heard it mum- muttered and mumbled from people. They know she's an Aes Sedai now. Now, when he was last here, that was all hush-hush. She's like, I thought you were keeping that a secret. And she's like, we're kind of needed now. I figured you'd rather we were part of all this and everybody knew what we could do than leaving. He's like, "Eh, I can't argue that. And now looking around at Perrin and his people is like, okay, yeah, you guys do definitely need some help. Looking at Perrin in particular, that, pointing at his wound, that's going to need Alana. And uh, Alana and I can deal with a number of these. And she grabs a girl who's passing nearby, says, girl, go get Days Conger. We're going to need some wisdom's herbs. So Days is the current wisdom, you know, going to put her to work, too, on some of the injuries. But let's get on it. And when Varen gives a command, people hop, too. And he looks at, oh, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, I said die. But then he also sees some of the people looking at him the same way.
0: Yeah.
1: Aw. And he knows part of it is because they just saw him talking to Varen and Aes Sedai kind of as
0: equals. Without that deference between them.
1: Right. So he's being lumped into the same reverence as an Sedai gets.
0: Now I want to mention a quick thing before we completely jump over it. Varen pointedly looked at Perrin's wound and said it needs Alana. I just want to highlight Varen is freely admitting here she's not the best healer.
1: Uh, We've had that mentioned before. Different Aes Sedai have different strengths. Varen can do healing, but Alana is better. That's when we get confirmation here. Well, that's it. That's the end of the chapter. That's the end of the episode. That's all we're covering here today. So at this point, if you are a first-time reader, you want to stop. Go no further, because Zach and I are going to take a moment to spoil a couple of things from this episode. Full spoil. You should only stick around for that if you are familiar with this. So we'll talk to you next time. For the rest of you, huh, that was weird. Let me try the whole thing again. There we go.
0: The spoiler room. I was down for the clip just like last second of it. I didn't know what happened, but I was here for it. (laughs) I don't know why that happened, but we get the whole thing now. It's okay. People who listened in just the audio format only heard it one time. (laughs) that's true i am gonna roll i'm rolling the big honking monster die today brought out some metal as well
1: Ooh, i got a good one
0: you probably go first 15 just a 12 close but yep i get it all
1: right so what i would like to spoil this time is the bit about slayer okay he Mm -hmm. looks an awful lot like like lan like a malkyrie uh, but, but Lan's the last of the Malkyrie. Now, I, c- I could say a number mm-hmm. of things. I'm only going to spoil one thing. Okay. And that is Lan is not the last of the Malkyrie. He is the last of the royal line of Malkyrie. Mm-hmm. But there are other Malkyrie people out there. The country is gone. But later in the series, we are going to meet other people who are from Malkyrie who fled, who have yep. made lives for themselves elsewhere And are going to be drawn back in to become an army with Lan at the last battle. It's
0: like they might technically be citizens of other places. And a lot of them don't hold all the Malkyrie ways anymore. But a lot of them still hold bits and pieces. Yes. Think of it as first generation immigrants from Malkyrie. So this was totally unreliable narrator. When
1: Perrin says, Lan's last of the Malkyrie. That's just what Perrin believes that is not true and maybe when robert jordan wrote it it was true but i i like to think that no we had planned that whole last battle thing to
0: happen way back then i don't know if all of that had been fully planned but i think he did think things through well enough to go yeah i mean i already said that like women and children and certain did get sent out from the city previously at times and stuff so like there's still some people it's just not necessarily a nation and
1: when Lan was back in the eye of the world, when he was up in Shinar at Faldara, they were like, are you raising the golden crane? Is it time? Are yeah. people?" And so there was understanding if he raised the golden crane of Malkyr, people were going to come to him. They knew that. Well, the people, some of those people are going to be Malkyrie who are living in other borderlands and stuff.
0: I do think it is fair in a way to call Lan the last of the Malkieri, though, because without him, there is no Malkyrie. The Malkieri people all are partially assimilating into these other things. They're not going around and going, "I'm Malkieri." Lance the only one really doing that. He's the only one not really calling any other place home right now. Okay. So he truly is the quote-unquote last for now. All right. All right. What do you want to spoil? I actually want to pull a, a weird spoiler because it's do it. not the ambush. Okay. Um, oh.
1: Yeah, there's a total thing here we're going to figure I'm out I'm not eventually. going
0: to an obvious spoiler here. I'm not You're going not. to something All right. notable. I'm drawing a parallel. Because as we went through this, reading in similarities, I want to highlight that Trollocs, or at least whoever led this attack, was relatively intelligent. Did good battle tactics. Simply because we see it in better detail later, but almost the exact same kind of counter ambush is something that Matt leads mm. during the fight down in Kyrian. When he first takes charge of soldiers and kind of creates the band of the red hand, it's with this tactic. It's with this, maybe lead a little bit in, roll some other things around and ambush the ambush. Okay. I don't know why I'm suddenly big. Cause I wanted to, you're talking, go for it. And so just this parallel that Matt at that point flooded with all these years of knowledge starting to really rely on his luck, but gain all this battle command knowledge is using something we've already seen done by Trollocs. Often we think of them as that grunt, brute force, stupid Trollocs. And they may be, but it's easy to forget that they are just as good at actual warfare Hmm. as the people are. I, I I would argue that there was a Fade. Now, the Fade wasn't linked to them, Oh, no, I'm not saying the Trollocs were the ones doing it. I'm just, like, it wasn't their idea. Right. It was the Fade's idea. But a lot of general infantry also aren't good enough to come up with the tactics within battle. That's why you have the generals. Okay. All right. So the Shadow Spawn as a whole have the ability to pull off some sneaky stuff. It's interesting to actually realize and make note of, yeah, no, they are a formidable force. It's not just, oh, they are overwhelmingly have the numbers and are bad guys. Okay. Well, there we go.
1: Good spoil. Thank you, Zach. I enjoyed hearing that. And now let's run our outro credits, because that's it. Yes, thank you to everyone for
0: watching, listening, all those things. If you did enjoy, please let us know. There are a lot of ways. You can see them on the screen. If you're not watching on the screen, uh, you can always go find this video, like it, subscribe to our channel rate us wherever you are join us in all of our various platforms and if you want to support us even more there's that patreon that we mentioned at the beginning of the episode with all of those wonderful benefits including a new episode that we're going to record just after this one yep thanks for being here we'll talk to you next time everyone